Let's pray before we get into our word this morning. Heavenly Father, even as we have sung just then, we pray that you would send forth your word, that there would be light. And we know that you have in your Son sent forth your word. And Lord, we do pray this morning that we would have, through your mercy, the ears to be able to hear and the heart to be able to receive your word in its truth, Lord. Our confidence is in you speaking this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is pleasing and blessed in the eyes of the Father, isn't he? We know it. We saw and have spoken a couple of times, uh, even over the last year, when Jesus was baptised, to hear those words from the Father come down. This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Such strong words. For a man. As followers of Christ, people that have been justified through his death, that have been given and made alive through his resurrection and his life, and we, even as we saw last week, we have been given this life and all that made Christ blessed in the eyes of the Father has been given to us a way of living so that we can be seen just as he was seen, blessed. Even in uh, so that we might take up in this new life to our limited abilities, these objects of the Beatitudes that are spoken about by Christ and delight in them as we serve and live the life that's been given to us. Now I grew up hearing this called our Christness. This is our Christness, or perhaps our Christ likeness that is given to us and transforming us into his likeness. Well, Jesus furthers our understanding this morning in our passage of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He furthers our understanding of what it means to be someone that has been set free from the old life and brought into the new. What does it mean to live? in this new life that has been given. And he says something new. In verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And in verse 14, you are the light of the world. What does it mean by salt and light? These two things, because of what they are, affect what is around them. Salt, because of its nature, has several interesting effects on the things that are around it. First, it slows decay. In Jesus' time, when there was no, no refrigeration, salt was used to pack around food stocks to put off decay, to slow it from uh, perishing, to slow it from perishing. Salt is also used to purify. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 2 where the people come to Elisha to tell him of a well that has bad water in it. It's been causing death and even miscarriage. And as a result, Elisha takes a bowl full of salt and throws it down the water to make it wholesome and good for drinking again. And we also know that salt 
is good to add flavour to a bland meal to bring it some life. Light, perhaps, is a little more obvious. Its nature is that of revealing, of illumination. Some, some things, like moths, are drawn to the light and other things that prefer the dark, repelled by it. But both salt and light have these effects on their surroundings simply because of what they are. It's their nature. Because of what they are, they have an effect, as it was with Jesus. Who he is and the effect that he has on the world, his purpose, are aligned. They are inseparable. Before we can really understand what it means for us to be salt and light in the world, we have to see who, what he was as salt and light in the world first. The perishing, the impure, the flavourless, or perhaps better said, the lifeless, and the darkness are the current conditions of humanity. And it's into this perishing, unholy, dark place with those that reside there that Christ steps in as the salt and the light. John 3.16, which we're all familiar with, For God so loved the world that he gave his own son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. John 10 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life that they will never perish. Luke 2, Simeon is found to be holding Jesus even as a baby. And he says of him, he is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And again in John, John speaking of Jesus in verse 9 of chapter 1 says that he is the true light which enables everyone, uh, which enlightens everyone and was coming into the world. Because of who Jesus is, he brings an end to decay. Because of who he is, perishing is brought to an end with eternal life. He makes holy that which was unholy and brings flavour and life to the lifeless. His word is a light to reveal our current condition. Some drawn to it, others repelled. He was salt and light to the world and through him we were saved. And now, as we've been speaking the last two weeks, are transformed to become like him. A people that because of who they are in Jesus affect their surroundings just as he did. John 9 again says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Which means that when he is gone, we take his place or fulfill some of his role. Second Corinthians 2.15 says that we have become the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In Philippians, Paul says to the church that we are to be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which we are to shine like stars in the world. 
We are given Christ's life in the Beatitudes and his effect and purpose in this passage. How great is the transformation that we have received in this new life. So much more than just a new set of clothes or a bit of makeup, we have been transformed into his likeness in both his life and his effect. We who once were impure, God now uses to bring about his purity. Who once were perishing, he now gives us a a message and a light to bring about purity through Christ. Those who were once in the dark, now shining like stars for the glory of God. It is simply and beautifully a part of who we are now in him. Now, during uh, my time at Bible College in our counselling course, we were expected to practice our budding skills on one another, like guinea pigs. And while it was still practice, we were still to take it seriously, to open up and to be honest about any troubles that we had faced in the past so that we could actually help one another. And I sat down one evening with my friend Tom to do exactly this, and I shared about one of my many troubles. And uh, he was quite good. He sat with the right posture. He leaned forward to the correct degree. He made the right affirming noises with the mms and the ahs. And he said and reflected my feelings back to me. That must have been really hard. I'm sorry to hear that. I can't now use these terms in my counselling because I've shared them here and you'll see straight through them. (laughs) Well, the time came at the end of our sharing together and the lecturer pulled us aside and said, can you give us some reflection? So I said to Tom and to the lecturer, Jeff, you've done, Tom, you did a great job. I felt listened to. You sat correctly, you made the right noises and when I shared about my sad life, you made, you said the right things. But there was one thing. While I was sharing my sadness, and while you said that must have been hard, the whole time he had this huge smile on his face. <laughs> and it was a little psychotic. <laughs> now, the lecturer and Tom, thankfully, both laughed at this. Um, and <laughs> the lecturer said... This is called incongruity, where there is no harmony or alignment happening. What Tom was expressing, both on his face and with his words, were at total odds. Jesus isn't like Tom. (laughs) It's not the title of this message. Um, He is perfectly congruent, perfectly congruent. Who he is and what he does are in perfect harmony with one another. Just like being salt, uh, salt being salty and light illuminating, Jesus saves. If he lost, if we were to take even a moment and consider what it would mean for Jesus to be incongruent, what would mean for him to not meet who he was? 
if he lost his saltiness or hid his light under a basket for even a moment while he was on earth, or even now. If in being hated by the Jews for calling himself the Son of God, he hid away because he didn't want to cause offence or to be persecuted. If in fear of causing offence, he stopped speaking or stopped performing miracles. Or in being the light of the world, he fell in love with the dark and didn't want to be the light anymore. If Jesus was incongruent between who he is and what he does, we would have a serious problem as his believers. But he isn't. There was a time when John the Baptist in prison sent messages to Jesus to ask whether indeed Jesus was the expected Messiah. And John was the one who actually baptised him. And if you remember, he said to Jesus, I'm not worthy to touch your sandals. And yet here in prison, with a vision of the Messiah and how he should be acting, bringing in the kingdom much faster than what Jesus was, he questions Jesus' congruency. Are you the Messiah? You're not doing things that I expect the Messiah to be doing. Well, Jesus responds to him in Luke 7. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind have received sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. He shows John who he is as the Messiah by pointing to what he does. You can see the light of the Messiah, his person in his effect. You can glorify God by seeing the effect. As believers, we have been brought into Jesus. And we've seen this in part of the Beatitudes, that we have received who he is, his poorness of spirit his mourning and meekness, his thirst for righteousness, his merciful ways, his purity of heart, his peacemaking and his suffering and his persecution. And through the Spirit, we have Jesus within us, transforming us. All that makes him blessed in the eyes of the Father is now ours, making us into something new, giving us a new identity in our Christ-likeness. What Jesus also calls in our passage, salt and light. You are now salt and light. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus is congruent in who he is and what he does and cannot be one without the other. So he brings us into that same harmony. that we are not just salt, we are salty salt. Not just light, but illuminating light, as he was. And we can't be one without the other. He's brought us into him. Now, before we believed in Jesus, what were we? 
We were not salt or light. Two things that have a purpose. We were a people whose lives had no purpose. It's a little scary. But in Christ, we have not only our new identity in him, but a new effect, a new purpose in this world. We have been transformed by him into a people that were from a people that were good for nothing into something and a people that were good for something. That something being the good works that show the world the glory of God because of who we are in him. And can we imagine being given a better purpose in this world? A week or two ago, Catherine and I first started... A week or two ago, that's totally wrong. We didn't start dating a week or two ago. (laughs) Several years ago, but a week or two after we first met, (laughs) Catherine... Catherine came down with a fatigue sickness called CMV. Now, if you know anything about fatigue sicknesses, you know they are more than just tiredness. Uh, Tiredness, for anyone that isn't fatigued, is something you can sometimes, fairly often, just push through and keep working. But fatigue goes down to the bones and it affects the mind. Every thought is wearying, every conversation exhausting. And Catherine had this for the first two years from when we met until about a year into being married. It wasn't until she was pregnant with Ella uh, that she began to get better. Pregnancy, we found, was the cure-all. So next time you have a cold... (laughs) Six to seven weeks ago... Catherine got sick again, and it started to look like fatigue again. And a few of you, well, you may have noticed her beginning to grow pale uh, when she was actually able to attend church in the last few weeks and flag in the church seats. But now we've got three kids. Now we've got all of them being homeschooled. Uh, Now we've got, I'm in the middle of being voted as a pastor and taking on some more responsibilities. And for a moment, our minds in the midst of this began to go down a dark path. What purpose could our lives possibly have in the, if this was going to go on for years again? Perhaps you've wondered the same things about your own lives. What purpose could God possibly have for my life? Maybe it's not sickness. Maybe it was with skills or your own abilities. And you've wondered what possible use God could have for this level of mediocrity. Maybe life didn't turn out the way that we hoped it would. A spouse didn't believe. Our children are rebellious. Whatever it is, what good could God make of my life? What use am I to him? Well, the answer is in our passage, last week's and this morning. Jesus has made you salt and light. 
to be salty and illuminating in any situation. You can thirst for righteousness. Let me say, one doesn't need to be healthy to have a poor spirit or to be able to mourn or to be meek. Dare I say it helps. You can thirst for righteousness and be merciful and have a pure heart while working at the same time at a very average job. You can be a peacemaker and suffer persecution for Christ's sake as a parent that is just trying to hold the family together. And what's more, in all those situations, you can do a good work of showing others the glory of God while being stuck in bed, in weakness, because we still have hope. We still have him. And we can still point to him, even with the smallest of works. In not being laboured with the need to be justified, but just to rely on Christ, even in our weakest of moments. And in doing that, we are doing a divine work that Christ did on earth shining like lights in the darkness, pushing back decay, showing holiness to the world. We perceive good works for God as being done only by the extraordinary and all the while feeling totally ordinary ourselves. Yet Jesus says, If you are my disciples, you are salt. You are light. Not if you have a certain skill level or a certain health. By your nature now, you can't help but do my work if you are residing in me. Your nature now is one of extraordinary, divine, eternal work in the most ordinary of means. Done through ordinary people. Now, Kat and I took great comfort from this knowledge that were Kat to remain in bed, unable to have people over all the time, unable to attend church every Sunday, and to do all the things that she hoped and aspired to do, she would still be salt and light in the world. If in my role I ended up becoming more focused on caring for my wife in bed than being able to take on more responsibilities, I would still be salt and light in the world. living a life of great purpose given to God. What relief that is for all of us who are ordinary and yet given incredible purpose through who we are now in Christ. 
Now, I should say, <clears throat> Catherine has begun to feel better. Her energy is returning. But her sickness has lent us both great insight into the nature and the blessing of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And I pray this morning that we also begin have begun to know something of the new life that we have in him. A life that would have been good for nothing at one stage, that is now good for God. Good to point others to glorifying him. Let's spend some time in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we give thanks, yes, Lord, for what Christ did on the cross always, but for the new life also that we have in him, a life that has changed how we live, the burdens that sit on our shoulders that fall away, the fear of living a life that has no purpose or point, a fear of not being able to contribute. But Lord, through who we have become in you, in following and being transformed into your likeness, Lord, to know that we can still be struck down with sickness and frailties, and yet even in the most humble of ways still shine light and be salty in this world to your glory. Heavenly Father, help us to be able to continue to look to you and to your Son, that we might rejoice every day. Lord, in the mercy of being made new in you, to know that this is only the beginning that our transformation will one day be complete, where we will look, and we won't even struggle to look to you, to shine light, Lord. It will pour out of every, every pore of our beings. And Father, even now we are called light and salt. And we do pray for the people that are around us, for our surroundings. Lord, that as salty and as light as we can be, there are times where that salt and light is repellent to others. Father, we pray for a transformation in them also through your spirit. That a saltiness would be something that was savoured and desired. That they would be like moths to a light, Lord drawn not to us but to the glory that you exude reflected from us in jesus name we pray amen